My good friend Andy Kurtz and I decided to do a design podcast. Like most design podcasts you may hear, we will cover a wide array of design topics. We will speak about branding, packaging, marketing, and brand loyalty. What makes it unique is that it comes from our perspective as small boutique design owners dealing with the ins and outs of the everyday work environment. We are hands-on from start to finish with all of our clients, have well-rounded appreciation of all aspects that may go into a brand, and to let you in on a little secret, we really love what we fucking do. Kirk Faisola is the founder and creative director of Mind the Font, a full-service CPG branding and packaging design agency. And Andy Kurtz is the founder and creative director of Buttermilk Creative, an agency that focuses on packaging and branding design for the specialty food and beverage space. Together, we are Kirk and Kurtz, and this is the Kirk and Kurtz Design Podcast. Kirk and Kurtz number 45. As a person, she's awesome. As a designer, she rocks. Okay, okay. All right. Um, are you ready, Andy? I'm ready. Okay, let's go. I'm Kirk Faisal. I'm the founder and creative director of Mind the Font, and I'm here with my good friend. Andy Kurtz, founder and creative director of Buttermilk Creative. And this is the Kirk and Kurtz Design Podcast. <laughs> uh, today's, today's guest... Annie and I are both very shocked that we were able to get, to get her. That sounds bad to get her, to have her on, um, because she's an incredibly <laughs> talented artist, illustrator, and design director. Um, she just for a few things, she had something that was featured and got an award for uh, one of her packaging designs, which was on uh, Graphic Design USA Award. She designed and illustrated. Um, a, a children's reading log and activity book and she's an incredible artist designer and illustrator um i i would say a lot more but there's just too much to talk about in this podcast but i'm so so happy to have on miss roxanne bradley tate thank you so much for coming on rock how are you doing well thank you for having me super excited to be here oh good i'm glad i'm glad you're here now i also want to clarify too do you go by rocks because it says rocks at your e your email so is that what you prefer to be called before we keep going? Either one's fine. <laughs> okay, Rox, right. Roxy, I get them all. And you can sing it if you want. You can sing it. Oh, Everybody yeah. Sing it? Sing it yeah. Like Sting, yeah. <laughs> Roxy! <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, that's a great song. The movie, everything else. No, but but she rocks. I mean, that could be your whole thing. She rocks. Yeah. I like it. Yep. I like it. You're welcome. That was for free. Uh, I, the reason why Annie and I started this podcast was to to learn more about people who do packaging and design and other thing else. Because we started off as a packaging design podcast, then we switched to let's just talk about design because packaging feels so limited for all the stuff that we know and do and people that we know and brands. And I was just so excited. I saw one of your posts on LinkedIn. I said, "Oh my God, I got I got to meet this woman. I have to friend her." And as soon as I friend you, I'm like, "Fuck it, I was going to ask. You want to be on the podcast?" And she's like, "Sure, yeah, that'd be great." I'm always so interested in hearing other Black creative stories and how you got into it, what got you started, because it's, it's not a field that's flooded with people like myself. Everybody usually looks like Andy. Um, yes, offense, Andy, but you're a handsome, you're a handsome. <laughs> yes, Andy. go for it. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> so, so, one of the things I wanted to ask Roxanne was, how did you get involved in art or design? Where did you get your start? 
Well, I was extremely fortunate. Um, my mom was an artist as well as a designer back in the day. You called them commercial artists. So she did painting, she did drawing. And then when I was about 10 or 11, she went to school to get uh, probably a certificate in commercial art. So I always had like access to all the art supplies I wanted. And then also, which was really cool, was I had access to those really kind of like vintage design tools. So like paste-ups, I saw her do paste-ups. I saw her do um, like Ruby lift and transfers with the typography. So that world I was exposed to, but I actually did not know what a graphic designer was until I was like a junior in high school. <laughs> that's that's um, some old school right there. Like yeah, Ruby lifts and transfers. So mm -hmm. yeah, the best way I can describe this is you have a sheet of of letters and a sheet of different characters and you would use those sheets to transfer onto whatever surface to which you're designing something. And it's, it's such a beautiful process because usually you have to take an exacto knife and like carefully lift it off and then put it on and make sure it's all lined up. It's so it's so cool seeing people do that because mm -hmm. it's it's, a, it's almost a lost art form. Like now we just jump on the computer and everything's there, but there's something so nice about that textile work. And it's so cool you learned that way because it gives you an appreciation and understanding more, I think, of working in the uh, in the digital world. But I'm sorry, after that, you, you learned about it in, <laughs> in a junior in high school. Yes, yes. And, and what, where'd you go from there? Um, I actually did a extra credit poster in my history class. And my teacher was like, this is beautiful. It was like a propaganda poster for uh, World War II. I'm not that great at history. I needed the extra credit. <laughs> and he was like, you are going to be a famous graphic designer one day. And I was like, okay, thank you. Mm. And I was like, what is a graphic designer? <laughs> I never made the connection like commercial artist graphic designer I just wasn't around I guess like on the scene to know that term had you know advanced mm -hmm. and so I went to the library looked it up and I was like this is awesome this is the way I can get paid <laughs> so right. when it was time to look for art schools that was my focus the schools that mm. had good strong design departments and that's how I started my career um I, and I did the funny thing is I can remember doing logo contest even Ooh. in middle school and uh not grade school but <laughs> middle school and high school definitely and i would win wow. some they are hilarious to look at now but it was the beginning <laughs> that's so neat yeah i i love i love the one thing that really stood out when you were talking is that your teacher said to you you're going to be a famous designer you're going to be a famous like i don't think we realize what an influence that teachers have in our in our everyday lives. I mean, mm -hmm. and like, from I can think about my sixth grade teacher. His name was Mr. D, and the coolest dude ever. I learned sign language from my fifth grade teacher, which I I still know the alphabet and certain phrases in sign language from fifth grade, right? And just the influence that they have, and the positive influence that they have, and negative at times. But that planted the seed. You already had everything there, all the tools from working or helping your mom out and seeing what she did and copying what she did. And all of a sudden someone says, Hey, uh, you can do this professionally. This is called graphic design. Mind blown. You know, it's, it's, it's so, it's so beautiful. Uh, Andy, you know more about schools than I did because I didn't go to a quote unquote design <laughs> school. I, uh, I didn't learn about graphic design until much later, but 
was there a particular school that you were really interested in or sold on Andy before you settled on the one in North Carolina? I didn't settle. But... Oh my, oh my goodness. Um, actually I went to one in Florida, but, um, but no, I mean, your rocks, Roxanne's, uh, resume is, um, she went to some of the best of the best. Uh, and, um, and yeah, and it obviously it shows in your work, but you know, I think it's so interesting that, uh, art school is so weird in that it's like, you know, you can go to like, we have a great community college here in town that has a very strong design department. And it just because the faculty is here, it just, you know, and they've nurtured it. Um, and so you can go that route or you can go a very expensive route and go down the route of art school, which is what I did too. And, um, and I'm still paying for it. Um, but the neat thing about art school is how exposed you are to all the, all these things that, you know, you just are at your fingertips. I went to, um, Ringling, um, down in Sarasota and, um, and it just, I don't know. And then the network that you create when you're there too, you know, like the friends that you meet, the creative people that you come across the visiting artists. I mean, it just, it just, your mind just sort of explodes and it is, it, it's a, it's a great experience. I'm happy. I, I'm glad I went through. I mean, I'm still, we still hang out with our friends that we went to art school with. I hope you do too. Yeah. Um, what was your experience like that, Roxanne, going into yeah. art school? What was your experience there? Uh, I would say my experience initially was I just had no clue. I was very fortunate to attend a magnet school that had a powerful art department with mm. a teacher who honestly just changed the trajectory of my life. And that's just reality. Uh, and who I'm still con in contact with today. I probably need to check in on her. We check in every couple <laughs> of years or so. Uh, but she prepared us. She started preparing us for our portfolios when we were probably sophomores, sophomores, oh, wow. juniors. Wow. So by the time senior year came, we had the experience of having school representatives come in and we would do portfolio oh, projects. Yeah. So we got familiar with talking about our work and we, I really had a really solid foundation of drawing and painting. So that's what opened the door to RISD as an opportunity. Um, and in all honesty, I had to choose from some pretty good schools. Um, I, it was between RISD, Pratt and Cooper Union. And the reason wow. I ended up at RISD was because my dad was stationed in Providence when he was in the oh, Navy. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> that was the, honestly, that was the reason. That's why we chose that one. But that's a hard, that, that's a, um, what a what a terrible thing to have uh, schools to choose from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you, you, yeah, you had, you had the pick of the litter right there. That's, that's awesome. I think it, there is something to be said about the smaller scale. I, I haven't been to RISD, but the other two right are in like Manhattan. And so mm -hmm. the, the, the somewhat smaller scale school might, uh, that's what appealed for me for what, where I chose along with the, the faculty and curriculum and stuff. Um, I think that helps because you're on one hand, you have to learn a city and school. And if you go to a smaller one, you can sort of focus on the schooling. I don't know if you went through, had that same experience. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. And especially yeah. coming out of 
Kansas. I, I grew up in Kansas oh, City wow. on the Kansas <laughs> side. So it's a little slower than Kansas City, Missouri, a little more rural, mm -hmm. the least you can get access to it quickly. So it, it definitely was culture shock, even for Providence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And everybody teased me relentlessly about my accent and being from Kansas and the Dorothy joke. So <laughs> it took it took a while. It took a while to get settled. But to your point earlier, I mean, I, my mind was blown. Like I loved just everything that I just felt like my like my head just kind of opened to just possibilities, materials, just mm -hmm. the connection to other students who were equally talented, like, and honestly, a lot more talented even, you know? Yeah. Um, because when you're from a smaller area, you kind of get comfortable being the one. Yep. And mm -hmm. I, it was really healthy for me to be around a lot of people who were at the same place. And like I said, even farther more advanced than I was, so. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. that's so cool. Now, when you were going to school and you said that you had a teacher that was really getting you ready for portfolio and having you do things where you're you're facing clients and explaining your work, what were the what was the biggest takeaway or one of the biggest takes pick, takeaways from that? Because I know I I don't have a problem presenting my work or talking to people. I do have a problem with like the business side of things sometimes and trying to figure out like who do I need to talk to to talk about this project and product management and billing, but talking about my work, I love doing. And I know that you were working on everything at that point, because you were coming up with concepts and designing and presenting artwork and putting together a portfolio. What do you think was the most important aspect of that moving into the real world to do work? I would say, honestly, at the time I was 16 and 17, so. Oh, wow. It it was a while ago, but it was just understanding my story and valuing mm -hmm. my point of view Ooh. and yeah. being comfortable articulating that. And then like, honestly, at a time in your life where, you know, things are still a little awkward, you're transitioning from childhood to adulthood <laughs> and you're getting ready to make this big move where you're going to leave home for the first time. And while I had done like art camps away for a couple of weeks and I wasn't ready for college, but I do feel like I was ready for the critique, you know, mm -hmm. and that has never ended to some degree. Um, so that kind of grounded me. And I really, really do value those experiences because like every day, I feel like I still practice that. Yeah, that's amazing. At that age, being a black woman or a young black girl, I, I can't imagine you having the knowledge in your head to say, understanding your voice, understanding what you wanted to say, understanding it. That's so powerful. That's so powerful because the first thing that people usually try to do is take it away from you and have you go into this lane that everybody else is going into. I remember arguing with teachers in design school about, or when I was at school, not design school, but design classes I was taking about that I didn't think it was right that the way they were presenting things because it was just like this is how you do it as opposed to letting everybody present to you what their thought process was and you had a strong enough a strong enough mindset to say this is my understanding of things and this is how I want to do stuff that's that's profound that's profound I will say this I did have several I mean a 
I can't even begin to go down the list of experiences that I will say that I am still trying to heal from. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like it it's it's interesting, you know, after all this time uh, to look back, but I can recall being in class and honestly, like I said, not knowing what design was, um, not even understanding design history and not having that foundation. And honestly, I'd been in critiques where people laughed at my work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like bent over belly, like almost drooling, laughed at me during a critique. And it was, I will say, in full transparency, Absolutely. I have done a lot of work with coaches. And I made that post on LinkedIn because of a challenge I had from my coach uh, wow. to show my gratitude for the year I had had and all the successes and to really celebrate them and celebrate myself. Yeah. And I've I've grown a lot. So it hasn't all been peachy keen, you know. Um, had a lot of experiences that that I take with me, some good, some bad, but here I am. Yeah, I, I don't ever recall ever laughing at someone's work. Um I I just didn't. I mean, of course I talk shit behind them about their back behind them, but but uh, about them behind <laughs> their back, but that's totally different. No, I'm kidding. Um, that's it's just the way I look at it is everybody's there trying to learn. Everybody's there trying to learn to do things, and there's always someone who's better than you, and there's always someone you can learn from who isn't better than you. So, I always try to take as much information as I can um, when going into a situation or or trying to think of a situation of how somebody else would see it. And you can't just say, "Oh, this is what you do, and this is how you do it." And ha ha ha, you did it wrong. It's it's just Oh, that's so upsetting to hear. I just think I just think of the poor poor young rocks just sitting there like oh demoralized. Yeah, and, it just just yeah. making her stronger. Yes, true, true, true. Usually if people are knocking you down like that, you're threatening to them. So mm. um you know, those 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 little those little punks were probably just like, you know, upset because you executed something better than they did. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I will say, I, it, look, I remember the project and it was a little corny uh, and it was comical, <laughs> the presentation, how I set it up. But the biggest thing I take away is that at some point when I get a little more grounded, um, I would say just with my personal goals this year, I definitely want to find a platform, a group, someone somewhere where I can kind of give back and support in some way, kids at that phase, especially mm. young African-American creatives. I don't know where this group exists, but I've been there. And then I went back to graduate school when I was 29. And so I've been there too. So I know that transition, especially with not having parents who went to college, um, that, that, that's a big deal just to be able to have that kind of very specific emotional support. They did the best they could, but they just never had been there. So um, again, I'm, I'm going to find it and I'll find a way. 
and that and that's how I found balance. That's how I find my balance. That's that's amazing. It's I I've done some helping with people quite a bit of pro bono stuff. I don't talk about it a lot and I don't advertise it a lot because one I hate that shit kind of when people are like, "Oh, look at me. Look what I did. I'm going to film myself giving giving money to a homeless person. I'm going to film myself doing something good." It's like, "Why are you filming yourself? Just do something good." And so <laughs> So I, I thought about that, and one of the things I volunteered for to help out with, uh, it ended up being focused on the dye line and going into Target and really opened a lot of doors. And the woman who did it sent me this beautiful um, togu. It was like a Cameroonian. Um, it's what, what royalty wear in, in Cameroon. And she sent me some of the packets that were printed, and it was just, it was just such a nice thing in a handwritten note. And it was just like this beautiful sentiment. And that really was probably the most impactful thing I did last year, in my opinion. It, it it cost me a little time and it cost me a little effort, but the payback was just so tremendous. And when I hear you speak of helping youth out that way, it's, it's undeniably great. And I've told my origin story too many times, but I didn't know about graphic design and, and someone introduced it to me and I fell into it luckily. So if there's someone out there who is willing to help uh, young black women, brown women, brown men, black men, like all these kids, African-American, whatever. It's like, it's it's really helpful for them because they may not know about it. They may not know that they can, you know, design artwork for Drake or, you know, do stuff that they would never think about doing that maybe they like to draw or sketch because that's what I did. I drew and I sketched, but I knew nothing about it. And having someone of your talent and level and experience being willing to help out you just need to start something. I'm there with you. If you want to do it, I don't know a lot about going to college, but I do know about a little bit about design. If you start something or know about something, I'm there with you too. I'm, I'm committing to it on this podcast because I think that's that's where it needs to be. That's where it needs to go. That's that's just beautiful. I just I just put um, a couple things in the chat. I um, was lucky enough to uh, host a an event with Dr. Jacinda Walker. And she started this amazing program called Design Explorer. It would be basically exactly what you all are describing, exposing art and design to underserved communities. And so, yeah, that would be check her out, oh, her cool. LinkedIn and the designexplorer.com. Um, I think she's a fellow. Well, she's from. Yeah, she's from Ohio. So um, but uh, she's she's awesome um, and a uh, very passionate speaker and um, and then Design Explorer is really cool too. So cool. that's a way to get plugged in. This is nice. <laughs> awesome, yeah. As you were talking, I was like, I know I've, and this was this was pre-COVID, like when I did this event with her, um, and but uh, I remember it being very impactful and just being really cool. And like, it's like, a, it sounds like a no brainer what you described, but what she discovered was there was nothing around at the time. Uh, and so she, create it and develop the program and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah, that, that's a way to do it. I'll definitely check that out. Thank you so much. That's really cool. Yeah. Now let's go back to that real quick. Well, I have faced a few obstacles as far as getting jobs or even applying for jobs or putting my presence online, basically because there aren't, or there weren't at the time I started 20 years ago, 
you know, designers out there, black designers. So I'd use a logo, I would just use my name and at the name like Kirk, Kirk Prescott or Kirk Heath Visola, it's not a, you know, let me be stereotypical here, um, Tyrone McGee or Tyrone Johnson or something like that, right? It's not the stereotypical black name. And so I would, would want people to look at my work. And I've had several people after speaking with me meet me in person and be totally taken aback by me because they were expecting me to be white, right? Like that's that's the standard, like that's what people think of. Um, what were some of the obstacles as a black woman that you faced or continue to face while designing or trying to get jobs or having people approach you in, in, in the field or in wherever? Yeah, I would say hmm, I can recall walking into an interview room and you get that that jump like, oh, <laughs> and I know because Roxanne Monique Bradley, again, does not sound like a specific group, um, but yeah. I was fortunate because just real talk with the names, the schools, the companies, like part of me was like, try me, you know, mm -hmm. test me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come for it if you want to. Um, <laughs> Come so in. I, 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 can't, I came with a level of confidence. Like I've been in these spaces and usually I'm yeah. the only one. And I would say that would be one of the biggest hurdles that I had to experience. I can remember when I worked at Target, it is scary to say, and I do believe they are not like that today. But this is, um, let's see, I've been married to my husband 10 years now. This is about 15 years ago. I was the only black creative in the entire department. There was one other guy in production. And ironically, he did like uh, package. He did the package design, like the, um, the I don't know the official terms for right. all this, but it was the, the engineering. He was a packaging engineer. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I, it was just... The two of us, I mean, out of probably over a hundred people, it was a huge wow. department and that included digital and probably some other marketing components that I can't recall right now. But I would say the, the weight that I felt at times, I don't have another term for this except for, oh, she's the magical Negro mm -hmm. in the sense that you better be able to design perfectly the best designer in the entire world yes design your butt off mm -hmm. to be here because if you're not you're just here to fulfill a quota and that's and i would say it's not always spoken it's well i'll take that back it can be spoken yes <laughs> <laughs> i have had just commentary Mm -hmm. I've, like I said, I've grown a lot as a designer. What you see in that portfolio did not always look like that. So mm -hmm. I was put in spaces and I, I had these amazing opportunities, honestly, before I was ready for them. And so I grew in the role. And so when you come in and you're expected to play this magical position and you're also learning people can say some nasty things. And like I said, that's why, you know, I've done a lot of internal work to heal from some of those experiences and 
to feel confident in my skills and my abilities enough to walk into those rooms now without, you know, burdens or not. I know who I am. I know where I come from. I know what I've seen. I know what I've experienced. And that can't be taken from me. Mm -hmm. Black, white, whatever. It, right. I am who, you know. Who I am, right. Without those experiences, though, I wouldn't be here. So I take them. It's, you, you've, you've always had that strength. You've always had that voice. It's just that your voice has been tested. Through those mm -hmm. tests, your voice has gotten stronger and made you a stronger designer and a stronger woman and stronger black woman to make your, your voice Correct. heard. And it's the, the dog whistles and microaggressions that happen while you're at work are, are such that you tell someone else about it and they don't get it. They don't understand that when they say, oh, Rox, would you mind doing this a certain way? Or, you know, I don't think that that is the right way to do it. Or, you know, maybe you could try because it seems like you were doing like just the little, little nuanced comments from people. And I've had it happen several times. And I was always trying to toe the line because if I messed up on something and my former design partner I worked with would just come down on me, who also happened to be my ex-wife. So that was just a terrible situation. But but it was like compounded by a mistake I would make. Like, oh, you're terrible. Oh, you're so bad. Oh, you're this. And I was thinking that the whole time. And it's taken a long time to gain back confidence. And even now I have problems with it. And it's it, the biggest the biggest draw for me and why I changed was in 2020. Um when with the passing of George Floyd um, and realizing that my my life is valuable. Like I am worth something. I don't care what color I am and what you think of me when you see me as a designer. I'm proud to be that color. I'm proud to be black. I'm proud to be this. And I'm 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 gonna be 100 percent apologetic, unapologetic from now on. Like I'm not taking shit from anybody. I'm gonna say what I want. I'm gonna do what I want to do because there's several people who don't look like me who say worse things and do worse work that are heads of companies that are heads of C departments. And it's like, <laughs> exactly. it's true. And, and, and I can say that 100% confidently, like I'm really good at what I do. And if you're not going to hire me based upon the fact that, that I'm pro black, pro LGBT, pro marginalized people, um, then that's fine. I don't want to work with you anyway. I want to be surrounded with people who encourage me, surrounded with people who like me and surrounded with people who make me better. That's, that's the whole thing. Like, that's all I'm about. And since 2020, I've kind of been that way. It's the only reason I'm with Andy. It's because Andy and I have talks all the time offline. We check in on each other. I mean, like, Andy's my dude. Like, if I have a problem, I go to Andy. It's like, uh, he is based, I'm red and he's Andy for the best part of Shawshank Redemption. Like, that's, <laughs> that's the connection. But it's just, it's just really, it's, it's a nice affirmation to hear you say, what you just said, that we notice. We notice when we go into a room. We notice when we go to a conference. We notice when we're hired somewhere. Like We notice what's going on. And we know that we have to perform a certain way. We have to be the Jackie Robinson of every place we go to <laughs> if it's not already somewhat in integrated because we have to be perfect. We have to be the example. And Otherwise, it gets it gets held against us. It, is it is it fair? No, but that's the way it is. And it's just nice to hear you I hear you speak about that. Um, so let's let's let me go back to to design real quick because you mentioned Target, and there's so many other projects that you've worked on. 
And I want to know if there's a specific project that you worked on that sticks out. Because here's the thing. The project that you're being made fun of, you remember it, right? The whole idea as a designer is to have something memorable. If I were to say, you know, think different, what's the first thing you think of? Apple, right? That was the whole thing, think different. Like something or got milk or there's there's a certain thing that happens when a good design happens. And, and even though your quote unquote design wasn't good, it's still memorable. And that's that's the key when doing design is to make something nice and memorable. You had one part of it. Now, is there is there a particular thing you've worked on recently that you can think of where it's like, oh, I hit it out of the park and I love this as far as like the process mm. and everything else? Let's see, let's see. So, oh, recently, this sounds kind of funny to share, but it, <laughs> it's just the reality of my last year. Uh-huh. I allowed myself to take projects that honestly, I normally would not take and to experiment and try new things that I say I never have done, but let's just say I haven't done all at once. So uh, one of my clients had a son and she requested that I handle all aspects of his bar mitzvah. I had no <laughs> clue. I I know what a bar mitzvah is. I have never attended one. <laughs> and this wow. particular client, I have worked for um, her and her husband for about seven years. So they almost, the, the way they run their company, it feels like family. So I right. kind of felt like part of the family, even though I was a freelancer for them through another agency. And I was happy to do it, but I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about client relations, Mm. uh, fabricating, like make, I had to make things by my hand, by by hand, by myself. Mm. Um, Let's see, just controlling a room. The, The times that I have done kind of event graphics, it was more in a corporate space. And honestly, mm. I had the support of everybody from, again, the, those packaging engineers, the print production, you have a production staff, you have a creative director, you have all those people, but it was just little old me. And literally, <laughs> even for like the event setup, like right. physically, like it was just me. I was running around setting up centerpieces and oh getting all of the the backdrop for the seating cards and all these little elements and little touches to make the event come all together and while it was exhausting and I learned a ton it was probably one of the biggest learning experiences that I had in a while um and I could share another one. <laughs> oh no, that's great! You were like, you were like, yeah. "Hey, man, I got 15 yeah. job, man. I'm the designer. <laughs> yes. I'm the production artist. I'm the table setter." <laughs> uh, uh, for, for all those who are way too young, most of you, that's a reference from the the sketch comedy show *In Living Color*, which used to star Jamie Foxx <laughs> and Keanu Wayans and Jim Carrey. But anyway, okay, so you have another and one Jim too. Jim Carrey. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what's the other one? <laughs> So the other one I ended at the beginning of last year, but it was a six month contract with MGM mm-hmm. and I was requested um, to do a brand like analysis for their digital team. 
And so I'm not, I'm not like really, uh, I'm comfortable in digital spaces, but I'm not well-versed in it. It's not Mm, something mm -hmm. that I'm not a coder. I can dabble in a little code. I can, I I know the basics. Um, I'm aware of some of the trends, but as far as like hardcore UX UI, not my space, but the brand element, definitely yes. So I mm-hmm. went in confidently with that. And then I took a course um, at General Assembly to prep myself and just to get familiar. And oh my God, like UX, just everything about it blew mm-hmm. my mind from the theories of just being, um, what was the word that they always used? I can't think of it now, of course, but <laughs> the it just was a different way to think about design that I had never been exposed to. But honestly, it influenced my design work after, after the six month rotation. And um, from what I've heard, my contributions were well accepted. I was able to present to like C-level staff. And it was, it was just really good on so many levels. And again, I, I take with it a, a new, I would say exposure to a new skill and then a new group of people that I could tap into if needed, um, who were just extraordinarily talented. So that's great. That that's was great. Yeah. I, I think that you, you having that sort of outsider perspective, not only obviously on the brand, but then also on the, the digital aspect of it, you, you brushed up, you know, to, 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 you know, just shore up your sort of um, skills. But I think also that helped um, with the success of that project because you came at it probably with f- totally fresh eyes and you were able to to look at whatever they were needing with uh, just a different perspective because it wasn't necessarily your background that you do day in and day out. So you didn't, you didn't have all this baggage. Um, so I think that was another reason why it was probably really successful too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm looking at. Oh, I no, was you. just gonna add real quick. I'm looking at your logos, at least the ones that you feature on your website, and they are so varied and so great. And I saw that you were you've been featured many times in the Logo Lounge um, book, which is amazing. Congrats! Um, Thank you. But I'm wondering. I mean, what do you? Do you love making logos more? Do you love doing more layout design or more complex? Like what's your favorite thing to sink your design teeth into? So this is the dilemma of my life. I love (laughs) it all. I'm like, give it all to me. I I can't, I cannot pick just one. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I call myself multifaceted, multidisciplinary. Whatever term you'd like to use, but at the end of the day, I'm just creative. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. I won't even say it's unfortunate. There are times, I guess, career-wise, as well as running a small business, where you are expected to be in a niche. And 
I have just tried my best to find spaces that allow me the flexibility to touch everything. So that's what I love about brand identity design. So I could get a client who needs a logo, but oh, they also need a package design or they need mm -hmm. um, some letterhead or stationary set or they need a report design. So I can, and, and I can brand that whole experience and then honestly just not get bored. I have had several <laughs> jobs. <laughs> I get bored if I have to do just one thing, like mm. um, Hallmark, amazing experience. It was literally, I graduated high school. The next week I started as an intern there. So I, I can still remember nice. having my big little, my little, well, it wasn't little, it was really big portfolio of work. Um, in that mm -hmm. black portfolio that folded. That big black I, folding. Yes. <laughs> I, I still have mine. I still have mine. I still have them too. <laughs> so I, I walked up and did my little interviews and everything. And uh, for seven years, I did almost seven years, about six and a half. I did creating cards. Well, technically I did a year of work because I came back every summer and, as an intern. And then I got hired full time. And worked there for wow. six and a half years straight. So wow. all those years I did greeting cards and it just got to the point where I was like, I can do so much more. And I told my manager that I was at a point where I felt like I had done everything. Every single holiday, I had been in leadership positions. I, everything that could be done with cards, I had done it in that company. And they were like, no, Roxanne, I'm sorry. You can't move to any other department because you do cards so well. And I was like, mm. see ya. Mm. That's a microaggression <laughs> right there. That I, I, I left. Mm. I had to leave. I had to you leave because I had to grow. Yeah. I had to literally go yeah. back to school to learn how to be a designer again. Oh my so goodness. that's when I went to SCAD, wow. which was again, another amazing experience. But mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. long story short, I've learned that the spaces that I feel most utilized, utilize all of my skills. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's been tough finding them. So I'm at a point where I feel like it's my responsibility to create them myself. I have to, I have no choice. I, I I don't know where that that job is. If it is, come find, if there's someone out there who wants somebody who likes to wear a lot of different hats, I'm looking for it. But right now I feel like I have to create it. Yeah, it, it, that's, it, honestly, that's exactly how I feel. I. I feel like LeBron. You know what? I was going to say the exact same thing. I was saying the exact same thing to someone the other day. I'm LeBroning out on you. No, but um, you, you mentioned such a, a great part. Like I'm, I like to do everything. I always think we were talking to Max about this last week. About, I like to write. I like to draw. I like to sketch. I like to create with my hands. I say I'm a creative person, and my main means of being creative is design but that doesn't that's not what i'm limited to and that's how i feel and and i i just feel your frustration like i want to work on more things and when you were at hallmark you had girl you've had like two whole ass careers already like oh i started out of high school working at hallmark and became a card designer that's everybody's story like that's <laughs> that was my story i was working and then i just decided to stop doing it and no, i'm kidding but um the thing with with doing the cards and then you quit and then went back and they told you you couldn't advance anymore. I had someone when I was trying to become a director 
an art director from a senior designer, he said, oh, you know what? We value you more as a designer. Are you sure you want to go in this direction, to art direction? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, I think you should think about it and hold off. And after that, I was like, I got to go somewhere else. And it just made me realize that it was their way of saying, we don't want you in that because we'd rather have you be our work. You know, the person that works behind the scenes as opposed to being client facing. And I was just like, I'm going to make my own path. And I kind of started doing it. I was freelancing for a while, working at places, and finally decided to launch my own business. And I'm the face. I'm the person who's responsible for it. But I like it that way. I mean, I want to talk to people, and I want to experience that, and I want to present things. So it's so cool that you went back, and you can you're continually learning. Like that's that's the coolest thing. You're always reinventing and evolving. It's that's very admirable because I I just kind of get stuck in a rut and just forget it and be held up in my little house like a hermit. Um, but you know we're co <laughs> we're coming up on the an hour, and I just want to make sure that. Andy, you've asked all your questions and, and something else. And I don't want to keep you too long. I, have, oh, words. Yes. I don't want to keep you too long either. So, Andy, questions? Uh, oh, yeah. No, I've, I've just, no, I've loved hearing everything Roxanne has had to say. And um, I can't believe it. I just glanced at that time when it was 345 and, or, you know, 45 minutes after. And I couldn't believe how fast it's gone. So, no, yes. I'm, I'm good. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Would you like to add anything, Rox, before we go? Oh, I, re I remembered what I forgot about um, UX and UI. Okay. <laughs> Just <laughs> empathy. And I think it's such mm, an important yeah. way and a position. Like, again, even no matter what you're creating or designing, having empathy and thinking and caring about the user or the customer, the client, whatever, is just, yep. it, I would say, it is the foundation of, for me, of everything I do. So mm -hmm. that was why that experience, the digital experience was so pivotal and why I still take it with me today, even when I'm doing an illustration for a children's like activity book it, it, or a logo. It, it's just always keeping that user, that end user in mind. So that's yeah. my big, that's my. That's great. I love that. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I also said, no, I'm kidding. Um, thank you so much, Roxy. <laughs> really, really appreciate you coming on. I, I can't believe this is your first podcast. You sound like a seasoned vet. Uh, talking, talking mm -hmm. to us. Oh, thank you. Listening to me ramble and, and Andy <laughs> asked poignant questions. So, thank you so much for coming <laughs> on. Um, hold on a second. We're going to we're going to do the close, but I want to say a proper goodbye when we're done. So hold on a second. Okay. I'm Kirk Faisola. I'm the founder and creative director of Mind the Font, and I'm here with my good friend Andy Kurtz, founder and creative director of Buttermilk Creative. And you just listened to the Kirk and Kurtz Packaging Design Podcast. We'll talk to y'all next time our Kirk and Curse design podcast words. Talk to you next time. Peace. Bye. Okay, we're done. Yay. Yay. <laughs> that was that was great. That was so good to I that mean that was awesome. So much so much honestly like this is this is what I'm doing when we're on. I'm taking notes. I'm like drawing your logo because
Thank you so much for tuning into the Kirk and Kurtz Design Podcast. A special thanks to Roxanne Bradley Tate. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You can find more information about Roxanne in the podcast details. Peace.